I'm Greg Fairchild. I'm a faculty member at the Darden School, and family-owned businesses have always been a central theme of what has driven my work. I'd like to introduce you to Dunk and Bright Furniture. Dunk and Bright Furniture is based in Syracuse, New York. And this is a company that is really thinking about that issue of leadership transition from the third to the fourth generation. They've taken a view that the business is, in fact, a working experimental research lab. And they think about ways to, in fact, add to the company's investments, but their agility in developing the next generation in a retail sector, a sector not, o- not always known for these investments. In addition to being an enterprising retail business, Joe Bright, the son in this story, is a former student. I got to know him first in the classroom, and I can tell you that his efforts in business school were to try to gain the knowledge that would come back and be invested in the family firm. This, again, is that type of intergenerational, long-term investment thinking that we so much encourage. My preview of Duncan Bright is perhaps intriguing to you, but there's nothing like you hearing from the Brights themselves. You're going to hear from Jim and Joe Bright with some of their insights into how they've grown this business. So it's wonderful to have both father and son join the discussion. Jim, let me start with you. What does it mean to be a part of a fourth generation family business? In my view, in and of itself, we don't expect customers to shop here for that reason. In fact, uh, it's absent from our marketing. Uh, We're quite sure that the consumer doesn't care. Uh, Rather, they want selection price, expedient service, and a subset of those customers want our interior design assistance. Uh, That being said, being part of a long-established business has some great perks. Uh, We get repeat customers, uh, multiple generations, say their parents shopped here, their grandparents shopped here. Uh, Lots of anecdotes uh, we hear every day about uh, my father. We've got long-tenured associates uh, that have their own clients. And, of course, it's great. It's easier to build upon an established business. And uh, we talked about innovation a little bit. uh, And yet we can still try new things uh, while the solid core business is, is reliable. So I almost cringe when our organization uh, leans on that crutch of, well, we're a fourth-generation business, aren't we wonderful? Uh, Yes, there's some benefits to it, but you can't really think that way. You you really have to be looking forward. Joe, what does it mean to you to be part of a fourth-generation family business? We often make the joke, you know, if we're talking about what we should highlight in an ad, it's just a running joke that we say, why don't we just say that we've been around 90 years, then customers have to shop here. And uh, <laughs> it's a joke because um, it is a great thing. It's uh, unique and rare, but um, I don't, uh, as my dad stated, customers don't choose where they shop based on that element. So, um, but we do get, uh, especially me moving back to the area, um, Stories of, hey, my grandparents bought here, referred me. I'm doing my second home with you guys, and it's fantastic uh, to see the next generation in here. Um, 
also around the community. I continue to run into people that worked at Duncan Bright. So that's uh, incredible to do, uh, you know, just see people out and they say, oh, I worked for your dad. I worked for your grandpa in the warehouse uh, when it was downtown. Um, so that, that makes uh, uh, the community of Syracuse uh, enjoyable for me to be back in um, with a, you know, I go for runs. Uh, I've taken up running since I've been back. And if you run from my apartment to the store, you pass a lot of businesses that um, went out of business uh, in that time period that we've been around. So um, we're, we're you know, thankful and grateful that we're still around. You know, you run past a vacant Sears that um, on, on the way to our store, uh, there was a swine of shoes, a private shoe store that no longer there um so you got to be grateful and those those companies were around a long time so you've got to be grateful and continue to change and and know that uh you've been around a long time but that's not necessarily what keeps you uh in business for the next 90 years jim there's a part of the case where your father asked you to complete a valuation of the business and in turn suggest you buy him out tell us about that i graduated from darden in 1986, and I was working in Manhattan in, well, it was the high-flying days of leveraged buyouts where valuations were huge. Money money was easy to get. It was years of corporate excess and, uh, and a lot of fun to be in that job at the time. So uh, my dad said that he was considering retiring or moving uh, away from the business, and could I help him value the, the furniture store that, that he had. So I showed him how to package it and present financials um, such that he could shamelessly ask for, a, a, seek a large multiple and uh, a huge valuation. And his eyes got really big and uh, I think he felt, I thought it was worth that much. And he said, well, Jim, why, why don't you move back here and, and buy it from me? So, of course, I immediately said, uh, Dad, it's not it's not it's not really worth that much. <laughs> so uh, but anyways, that got the conversation going. And <clears throat> subsequently, over uh, a few months or a year, he actually helped my wife, who was a, is, is a pediatrician, helped her meet. Uh, other pediatricians from one of the best practices in uh, central New York, and uh, they hit it off. So he helped her transition her job, uh, and then we moved from uh, Manhattan up to uh, Syracuse. After three years working for him, uh, we structured a transaction so I could use uh, bank debt, and he took some money back. Uh, so I could purchase the business completely. His philosophy was always that he was adamant that he wanted to be out of the business completely. He didn't want to be half in, which could lead to disputes, uh, misunderstandings, different ideas about how to run the business. He had gotten advice from tax accounts and lawyers that, hey, you can do this in a different way and reduce your tax obligation. Uh, but he felt strongly that uh, 
he felt the control should be all under one person. Uh, I subsequently uh, appreciated the wisdom of that. Um, we had a difficult first year, actually, of the transition uh, because we went from no op, uh, no computer operating system transition to a brand new operating system um, on on a, a, a mainframe, and we had a lot of trouble in that first year with that transition. We lost money. Uh, my dad panicked and. Uh, wanted to unwind the transaction. Uh, and I think if I had not had complete control of the company, it would have, um, that might have happened. But uh, we, we were losing money in, for a six-month period. However, our sales were still very strong, and we ultimately figured it out. But uh, I was very appreciative that my dad had the wisdom to leave that control under under one person, complete control. So I like the way he, he handled that uh, for me. Joe, what brought you back to the family business? My decision to come back to Syracuse and come back to work at Duncan Bright for my dad uh, was made on a ski lift in Syracuse, New York. Uh, it was a snowy November, I think, uh, and my dad proposed the idea to me. Um, he said, it's about time that you came back into the family business. If you so desire, uh, we think we could really use you at the store and, and have some fresh ideas, and you've gotten great work experience. I was very surprised. Um, I hadn't actively been thinking about it. But um, throughout the course of the day uh, and having many conversations up a ski lift, uh, kind of think about what that might look like, the idea became more and more appealing to me. So uh, I think I went home back to Los Angeles uh, where I was living at the time and, and thought a little bit about it and uh, followed up and, and let my dad know that I, I want to do it. Let's talk about innovation. Jim? How has Duncan Bright approached innovation over the years? Well, over uh, the last couple of decades, we've innovated uh, maybe every two or three years with um, physical plant investment, whether it's uh, restructuring our offices to accommodate the omni-channel environment or uh, putting on a new addition on the store or renovating a certain area of, of the store. But uh, in recent years, innovation seems to be more about testing new platforms and marketplaces, seeking that holy grail for how to sell our product or how to bring our, at least to uh, advertise our product to consumers. Uh, Fortunately, uh, we can try those platforms at very little cost. All it takes is uh, the time and attention to it to learn. Uh, of course, Amazon, Google, Facebook are the big ones. Uh, but they all are very robust platforms that uh, take a lot of time and attention to learn and get good at. So I guess um, 
I'd say that we like to try everything. And fortunately, in today's world of e-commerce, it's not that expensive. You can try it. And if it works, great. And if not, you move on to something else. So uh, that's our, our recent innovation, I would say. Joe, what are your thoughts on innovation? What I've noticed coming into the business is how often we change and innovate. It's uh, almost at a frenetic pace. So um, I don't know. There's that Bob Dylan lyric, uh, something along the lines of whoever's not busy born is uh, busy dying. So <laughs> uh, we, I don't know. If we stand still, we're going to see our market share uh, erode. Um, and, you know, you can see that. So we change frequently, especially when sales or marketing promotions don't stick. So if I think of just a couple things at the top of my mind that we've innovated and changed uh, pretty much in a week's notice or a week's time frame, uh, it would, the list is along, but a couple big ones are uh, delivery policies. So for, you know, we implemented free two-day shipping uh, and we did that over the course of a, a week or two. Uh, we just said, we're going to change the way we deliver furniture uh, and we're going to get it to everyone's homes in two days uh, and we're going to do it for free because that's what our competitors do. And uh, it seemed in hindsight, you know, or from where we are now, that seems logical and that we needed to be there. But um, uh, I guess we weren't doing it before and it did take some some innovative ideas and some uh, organizational changes to get there. So. Uh, there's that we're constantly innovating in marketing. So we've changed our Facebook advertising. We've, uh, we're advertising on Hulu. We're experimenting with, uh, Instagram stories. We are changing the whole strategy of our, uh, promotional messaging. And we do all this on a, on Monday on a weekly basis. So, um, I really like that aspect of, of our company culture and of the organization. It's way different than anywhere else I've worked where a large corporation and hope, you know, uh, what we see in our competitors often uh, is there are, you know, some of them are very large corporations. They can't or don't change as quickly as we can. So we can uh, use that to our advantage, put a message in an ad, and offer something to the customer that our competitors can't roll out over hundreds of stores across the Northeast uh, on a Monday like we do. So, um, you know, changes in hiring and uh, how we evaluate uh, new personnel, uh, organizational changes, who's doing what jobs, uh, do we need a position? Should we create a position? Um, and just trying to innovate in any aspect of the business um, that, you know, is an opportunity area for us and, and try to do that quickly. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I've seen from uh, in terms of innovation here at Duncan Bright. Uh, innovate often and do it quickly. And uh, you have to do it or else you'll lose market share. Joe, one last question. What tradition or family value would you like to keep in place under your leadership? 
Yeah, that's uh that's a good one. Uh it's similar to what we just talked about, but just don't stand still. Your uh your customers uh demand more from retailers and uh than they ever have uh before. So being the organization that stands still and does not adapt to that uh, uh, will mean that you lose sales. And um, I've been here almost for a year cycle now, and retail sales tend to go by the weekend, you know, so <laughs> uh, a great weekend can happen uh, with good promotion and, and good execution on uh, sales management. And uh, I've within a year already, I've seen what, staying still uh especially when it comes to sales and marketing uh what that can do to your business in terms of sales um if you stand still uh you know sales can it gets stale to the consumer and it your sales can decline 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 and then you freshen up with a new advertising campaign a new sales strategy uh you know uh sales organization uh changes and uh you can watch the results show up on your top line revenue. So I guess the the value that I would say uh, I want to carry into the future is just don't stand still. Don't be the uh, 90-year-old dinosaur that um, that becomes a vacant building. Jim, very curious about one last question. When you think around succession planning and continuing the Bright family legacy, what lessons learned would you offer to first and second generation family businesses? Well, in terms of having a goal of creating a family legacy, I think I did not have that as a goal. I was not hell bent on having a family carry on the business. It was more important to me that uh, our children had, uh, were independent, had good jobs. Uh, that they had good self-esteem, were comfortable what they were doing. And I really put off even, uh, of course, it was in the back of my mind, but I never made it a goal that Joe would join the business. Uh, fortunately, I had the opportunity to talk to to Joe about it. He had great experience. Two, two great employers, and of course, uh, a wonderful education at Darden. And I knew he could do this, do this job here. So I didn't really even think about it until he was 27 or 28. Uh, and if it never happened, I would, and, and Joe had continued a successful career elsewhere, uh, I had been very happy about that. So I don't think it's something that can be forced. And uh, I don't know that it would have been great for the business if Joe, if I brought one of my kids into the business that was not as competent as uh, Joe is. I'm pretty sure the business will do better under his management. He's got the skill sets for for business in the in, in the digital age, and um, I feel really good about that. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been actually a lot of fun working on this with you. So thanks for taking the time to interview us. 